Okay. Good afternoon. I am here at Ryder Farms. Um, almost completing my residency, but I'm here with the head farmer, Julie Noble, who is the farmer here at Ryder Farms. Who This all started because I actually spent the morning with you for my harvest. I spent two hours with you in the, in the fields yesterday. And I learned so much, and you were so informative that I said I wanted to have a conversation with you after lunch. Very cool. And here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Yes. Yeah. So, Julie, I really want to know, where, where are you from? Where are you born? I was born at St. Luke's Hospital in Newburgh, New York in 1980. I just moved back to Newburgh 21 years later. I'm stoked to be here. I work here at Ryder Farm. Uh, employed by Space at Ryder Farm, which you are a resident of right now. Um, Space is a nonprofit that works with artists and activists to provide them space to create. So we're here at Ryder Farm, which is a farm that was started by the Ryder Farm family in 1790. So this farm has been continuously farmed since the 1700s. And this farm consists of 127 acres? Correct. That is right. And yeah. how, how many acres of that is you utilize as farming? So this year we're, we have six acres in cultivation and we're growing mixed vegetables, herbs and flowers and we are organically certified. The farm here has been organically certified since the 70s. It's one of the first farms in the nation to become organic. Wow, in the nation? Yeah. Yes, Ryder. Yes, okay. Ryder. Yeah, Ryder die. We love that. Yeah. And so with that, you continue to add more and more vegetables and... Right, so we're doing diversified vegetables. So we have about 80 different varieties that we're growing right now. So pretty much you name a vegetable I'm growing it. <laughs> Go ahead, name it. Uh, cauliflower. Yes. Broccoli. Yes. Chives. Yes. Uh, rhubarb. Yes. Damn. A lot of rhubarb. Actually, uh, next year is our 10th anniversary of space, and we are collaborating with a jam processor to make a commemorative rhubarb jam for space's 10th anniversary next year. Wow, so fabulous. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be here for that. How about that? Um, can you tell me, your energy is like on a thousand, FYI. Um, okay. To the point where I had to stop and ask when your birthday was. I won't disclose it on air. Okay. Um, but you did tell me when it was, oh, yeah. and I said, "Wow, you're 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 that," and yes. that's a beautiful space to Thank be in. You. Thank you um, and, and that allowed me to then find or ask you, how long have you been farming, and when when did all that start? I started farming eight years ago in Monmouth, Oregon, which is 80 miles south of Portland. I had been living in Portland for maybe 12 years, worked a series of coffee, bike shop, got a degree in geography and geology, ended up uh, spending my time working at a nonprofit uh, doing data wrangling, which I wasn't very happy with. I had a friend, a roommate who inherited her father's farm. Um, she signed a bad lease with some bad people. And so I just ended up going down there every weekend to help her out. Uh, moved down, started a, uh, a farm with my ex, a market garden, selling at farmer's markets. And then I started um, working at a goat dairy, making cheese. Can we talk about that? Because you're very yes. specific. You said a market farm. So yes. what's the difference between a market farm and a rider farm? 
Um, let's see. So a traditional market farm is just growing vegetables for farmers market. Rider Farm, we have a lot of different outlets. Uh, we have our CSA, which has 130 members. Uh, we have the Union Square Green Market that happens on Fridays in New York City in Union Square. And then we're growing food for our residents for the kitchen. So every week I get an order from the chef and I fulfill that order so our residents can eat from what they what we grow here and what they harvest. Got it, which is a lot different than just a market. Farm, right, right, right. So we're a diversified farm. We have all kinds of outlets going on and we do wholesale as well. So So you started off in the in the market farming industry. Yes. And then you rolled over. You went to Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma. With that man. <laughs> yes, with my ex Jacob. And uh, I lived in Okima, which is a tiny town population less than 4,000. It's the birthplace of Woody Guthrie. Uh, it's a really rocking place during the Woody Guthrie Festival. Other times, the only thing good about it is sweet tea. That's about <laughs> it. And the library is a really amazing place, too. Uh, but Oklahoma will always be in my heart. I love the, the red soil there and the rolling hills, uh, the accent. I don't miss the styrofoam or the bigotry. Um, Does that exist there? It, it exists in a major apparent way. Mm. Yes, yes. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite the culture shock coming from liberal Oregon and liberal right. New York going to Oklahoma where you have to be tough as nails because mm. they're going to really make fun of you a lot. Call you a damn Yankee. Well, now, how is that? I heard you say red soil. Is there, were yeah. you growing in the red soil? Yes. How do things grow in red soil compared to what they do? They grow just fine. Red soil means it's a weathered soil. So uh, all of Oklahoma used to be covered with an inland sea. So the, the soil has been weathered for a really long time. And so th the product of erosion is that red color. It's like aluminum. It's, mm. You find it in tropical places where there's a say, lot of rain. I know red dirt from Africa, yes. right? From being in Senegal yes. or being in Cameroon. It's, mm -hmm. it's all red. It's actually good for your skin. Yeah, it is good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so the soil is just indicative of the, the rocks that were there and, and the weather processes that happened there. So, Are there some things that you couldn't possibly grow in a red soil that you're growing here on the mm. farm? Uh, that I don't think so. I think we could grow everything down there. It'd probably grow better down there because you get more heat days, more heat units. So, you, you know, you get... Um, some things that I love growing in Oklahoma were purple-hulled peas, oh, which is, they're so good. Mm. Grew a lot of okra. People love okra, purple-hulled peas. Uh, I did, uh, I used to sell watermelons on Route 66, uh, <laughs> lots of tomatoes. Uh, people just like the standards down mm -hmm. there. But mm -hmm. it was a challenge because Oklahoma, unlike New York, um, I think people... In New York, they they did garden up to a certain point, maybe the 70s, and then everyone stopped having a backyard garden, and now they're going to again. But Oklahoma is such an economically depressed place that people have always had their gardens going. Mm. So when I would do markets, people would come, squeeze a tomato, and say, I grow these. I'd say, great. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you want to buy it or not? Yeah, yeah looky-loos. That's what we call them, looky-loos. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm really happy that I spent time in Oklahoma. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think it's really, really helpful to travel in your life and to spend time in different places that you'd never really think of going to and then life ends you know you end up there and you make the best of it and so you left there and then went to go yes I left there and then I came back to New York 
about four years ago and ended up on a goat dairy near Stuyvesant, New York, which is near Hudson. Uh, so making cheese, milking goats, rotating the goats in pasture, uh, selling cheese at Union Square, and then eventually another ex of mine convinced me to have a vegetable farm there. I didn't want to do it, but he told me it would be a good thing. <laughs> Um, anyway, it ended in disaster, but whatever. But, but, let, but, let's, but let's roll that back. <laughs> yeah, let's roll it back. Because that disaster, I feel like, also gave you some gems for farming yes. that led to now. Is that yes. true? Oh, for sure. Okay. Oh, for sure. You know, there's like a, a saying, I don't know who says it, but I say it. It's called fail harder. You know, uh, so talk like. About, talk about that. So there's going to be failure in your life, mm-hmm. but you can't give up, you know. And so what you got to do is dream bigger, push harder. And maybe you'll fail harder, but that's an okay thing. Right. So, and yeah. I, I almost feel like you're saying the harder you fail, the better the reward is. Yes, in exactly. The end, right? Exactly. Because it builds your resiliency, mm-hmm. you know, it builds your character. Right. And like we talked about a little bit too, like getting older, you're getting wiser, you understand yourself better, you understand your needs that's right. better, and you can advocate for yourself. And I, I do want to talk about too, because I had told you that briefly during lunch, Dylan, we some kind of way goats got brought up. Yeah. And Dylan was saying that goats remind him of the devil. Right. And we all chuckled and agreed. And then here I am with you uh-huh. and you had you informed me about goats and their vision. Can you just tap yes. on that again? Sure. So uh, I've worked with a lot of goats. Love them. Bah. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, ah. Oh, yeah. That, am I doing a sheep sound? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So goats are bleeding. Like B-L-E-A-T. Like bleat. Uh-huh. Like bleat. And then, uh, and then sheep are more like, meh. Um, and there's other animal noises too. <laughs> but uh, so goats are really interesting creatures. I think we demonize them because we're jealous of them. They have um, square pupils, unlike humans that have round pupils. And with these square pupils, they can see almost 180 degrees around them without turning their heads. So they're evolutionary adapted to looking for predators, constantly looking for shadows in their periphery vision. Um, and that is a way for them to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's that square pu- pupil that is so different than humans uh, that it was easily demonized by Catholics, whatever. Interesting. Yeah. And can you, since we're on goats, I want to know, because I, yes. I love a stewed goat, by the I way. Love to, I oh love a goat. Oh my gosh, I buried a goat once and cooked it underground. Put chickens inside of it. It was so good. Now that sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. (laughs) Why do they eat trash? They don't eat trash. That is a lie. I've seen goats eat any and everything. I've seen goats in Africa. I've seen goats in Haiti. And goats literally will eat anything. What what kind of trash did you see these goats eating? Uh, Paper. Okay, go tea paper. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm about that. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess paper is trash. I yeah, I, I mean, and these are third world. Trash. These are third world countries at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it could be um, their environment. It could be yeah, just their environment. They could be hungry. Um, goats, you know, goats and other a lot of other animals sense the world through their mouths, mm. and so the goat, you know. Uh, browsing on something they're just kind of getting a sense of what's that like you know so instead of like visually and touching and using the senses that we do goats are doing that all through their mouth and their mouths too are really interesting uh, sheep as well because they don't they have teeth a little bit but Mm -hmm. they don't chew 
they they more grind. Got it. Yeah, so they're grinding everything up, and then they are ruminating on it. So they swallow it, and then they bring it back up, and uh-huh. chew their cud. Got it. Uh-huh. And then bring it back down again. So they're doing all kinds of pre-digestion, and that's why they can eat things that we can't eat because their stomachs and their digestive system can act on those things. And that's so, for sheep as well. For sheep as well. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's it's possible that goats. Um, can just eat trash and be fine Mm -hmm. but i don't want anyone to feed trash to goats okay very good yeah so you 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 carry out of oklahoma you Mm -hmm. you finish up at the goat right so i worked at ardith may farm in stuyvesant for two years and then my ex convinced me to have a vegetable farm called noble foods oh your last name yeah sounds great i didn't like the name but whatever and uh, and yeah, so we did mixed vegetables. We had a CSA. We sold in Union Square, uh, and then uh, and then he decided he didn't want to farm anymore. So I had all the equipment and the market. So I kept farming by myself and burnt myself out, mm. and decided to work for somebody else. And then you landed at Ryder Farms. No, and then I landed at the Hudson Valley Seed Company in Accord, New York, growing seeds. Oh, that's interesting. I've never... It's amazing. Now, how do... Can you just briefly speak on that process of growing seeds? Sure. Seeds for the veg. Seeds for vegetables, flowers, and herbs. Talk about that. So, every vegetable you eat, every flower you touch, every herb that seasons your food wants to make a seed. So it wants to um, it wants to grow itself again. So the fruit, like a tomato, ha- is full of seeds. Mm-hmm. So those seeds in a tomato, so those seeds in a squash, those seeds cucumber. in a cucumber, zucchini, watermelon. watermelon, those seeds have a seed coating on the outside. So if you take a seed from a tomato and you just plant it in the ground, it's not going to grow. It has to be fermented. So you have to introduce rot into the process. Got like a kimchi. Kind of like a kimchi. Yeah, yeah. So it is a fermenting process where you take out all the seeds from a tomato, combine it with water, and wait until it grows mold. Okay. And and that mold, that fermentation process, breaks down the seed coating. Got it. So once that seed coating is broken down, then you can clean off all that mold, dry out the seeds, and then they'll be ready to go. And you were doing that? Yes, I was doing that on a larger scale. Wow. Yeah. On a much larger scale. On a much larger scale, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, it, uh, Hudson Valley Seed Company is a certified organic seed company. And to me, working there was really fantastic because I learned about the power of seeds, uh, which, you know, a, a seed can translate to an idea, you know, a seed of an idea, the seed of a, a piece of art. Um, and then seed as well is, is the it's hope and promise yeah. of another generation of nutrition. Uh, and then something really great about the seed company is that they're really focusing on uh, heritage seeds. So a lot of seed breeding and seed keeping has been done in families with individuals. So right now in the world, we're only eating about eight crops, you know? So we're, we're eating a lot of, a ton of corn, a ton of wheat. We're eating, you know, um, just, you know, what do you get at the store? You get a tomato, you get a cucumber, you know? So like, yeah, so, so the whole world is just eating a very narrow sliver of the variety that's out there. 
So I think it's a really beautiful thing that in our culture, people have been saving seeds for so long. And there's so many different varieties. Mm. So I really like working at this seed company because we were actively stewarding those seeds so people can use them and save them grow out their food and you outgrew that position which then led I you. did I did which then led me to Ryder Farm mm-hmm. yeah and how did you meet Emily I met Emily um, just about two months ago you've only been here for two months exactly it feels it feels like a lifetime honestly <laughs> I mean I can only I've been here for five days yeah. but you you have the energy and the being of someone that's been you, you've been on this planet before I've been uh, an active participant in this fa- in this planet for at least 10 years, for sure. Before I turned 31, I was not. I was, like, such a hater. I was <laughs> mm, not a not a person I would want to hang out with. I was a bull in a china shop, for sure. <laughs> but uh, but now I, uh, I'm fully engaged in all the work that I do, and especially farming. Right. With yeah. passion. With passion, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And you met Emily, and she just said, you're hired? <laughs> um, almost, almost. I had interviewed for the job. I left the seed company, and then in the fall, I interviewed for the job as director of farming at Space on Rider Farm. Uh, and then uh, a friend of mine who had a vegetable farm invited me to partner with him. I partnered with him, and uh, we worked together. But his style, his communication, was a little bit different than mine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you never know until you try. That's right. And I'm a person who leaps, you know, and maybe I should give more thought, but I'm still, the prospect of leaping is so uh, exciting to me. So I left in that position with my friend Jesse um, into his farm doing CSA, doing markets, vegetable farm once again. um, And it didn't work out. So we cut our losses. And then uh, this opportunity arose again for me. Um, and I already knew about Space on Rider Farm. I, when I interviewed for the position, I could see myself there. I was already planning out the fields. I was already reorganizing all the spaces. Wow, My, just being here, just interviewing, you were yeah, already in your mind. Yeah, well, just being here and interviewing, you know, it was, it was during the fall and winter, so residents weren't around, but mm-hmm. I had read about it and... You know, I, I love culture, I love art, but my job keeps me away from those things because I work a lot of 12-hour days during the season. So uh, for me, the prospect of being on a farm where I could interact with people who are in the creative arts, who are activists, and feed those people and nourish those people and help them connect to the soil and to the earth, was it blew my mind. So when I met Emily and we started talking about me being in this position, I fought hard for it. And, and you here I am. Vision. Yeah, and I do. I do share her vision and I respect her so much for what she's doing for the creative community. I, I you know, I've met Emily twice. I've sat at dinner with her twice and I you know, I'm just enamored by the experience that I've had in five days. Literally it's it's been a life changing experience. What's your highlight? My highlight. What's your number one? My number. Wow, it's very interesting. People never really ask me questions. I want to ask a question. <laughs> um, my so my highlight honestly yeah. has been the gathering of dinner. Yes. Or for the meals, I okay. think I think All that right. that's a, uh, that element. Yeah. Um, and then the element of like 
waking up and things being done for you so that you can then proceed to write or create your craft, yeah. right? So normally as an entrepreneur, I get up every day, I make my coffee, I scramble an egg, I check it, and then I go into it, right? Well, mm -hmm. here, I wake up to the smell of coffee, <laughs> I have a cup of coffee, and I can go straight into my working, mm -hmm. or I can walk down, you know, Birch Tree Lane, yeah. hit a left and go on down to Peach Lake. Yeah. And it just opens up a space in my mind for me to be able to create yeah. before yeah. I even, you know, interact with someone. Right. And that's an option, right? right. Um, and then I go into breakfast and everyone talks about their plan for the day. Mm -hmm. And then we break away and we begin to create. Yeah, yeah. That's so special. And uh, next week we're having our family residency. So uh -huh. we have um, working artists who bring their kiddos. And we provide kind of like... It's kind of like a summer camp for those kids. Like, it's not a real summer camp, but mm -hmm. we have staff that will take care of their children so the parents have room to wow. not make their meals, not, you know, do the routine with their kids, you know, so they can have their creative time on the farm. And that's the family residency. The family residency, yeah, yeah. And that operates... Uh, we do that for two weeks every summer. Every summer. And uh, and for that, um, we have artists that come from all over the place, and we set up a travel fund for them to get here, too. So when you are an artist at Space at Rider Farm, your time is paid for. We just want you to have the space um, and nourishment to create, because mm. we think it's so important. Right. And your work is so important. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. I mean, and I'm here because I was harvesting with you yesterday. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which we harvest. Yesterday was yellow, no, banana peppers. Banana peppers. Green peppers. Bell peppers. Uh, what else did we do? Uh, sunflowers. Yeah, we got sunflowers. Cucumbers. Cucumbers and, and onions. And onions. And then what's my herb that's citrus? Purslane. Purslane. Uh-huh. And purslane, what is the benefit of purslane? Purslane is a weed, a very common weed in North America, and it has as many omega-3s in it um, as salmon. So it's really good for your brain. It's got, it's like that good fat. It's like oh, that wow. good oil. So in I should there. just walk around nibbling on that all day. Sure, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And now, do you sell that at the farmer's market as yeah, well? Yeah, we do. We do. And chefs really like it. Oh, so it's a lot of chefs come to your markets, yes, I take yes, it. The, uh, the Friday Union Square Market is traditionally a chef market where chefs will come in the morning and they're shopping for the restaurants. Oh, I'm interested. Do you know any chefs by name or any? I'm just curious. Um, well, we had uh, Dan Barber from Blue Hill. He's kind of a famous guy. And then uh, we had like the chef from Facebook come and buy a bunch of... Um, I don't know, carrots or something to feed to the people who are doing the data mining or whatever they're doing. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. And now, I've been walking around this farm, and this actual location I had not been to yet. Uh, what, is, what is this section called? This is Wash and Pack. This is Wash and Pack. And uh -huh. here at Wash and Pack, this is where everything is. This is where all the vegetables are prepared for human consumption. Got it. So we're washing everything. Uh, we're... We're making everything look really good for you as the consumer. Uh, we're working really hard. A lot of um, farming is that food prep aspect to it. So we spend a lot of time in wash and pack, cleaning and, you know, getting everything ready. This is the cleanest farm I've ever been on in my entire what? life. What? Really? I mean, it's super clean. That's a I mean, really nice compliment, Yeah, no, actually. It's, it's a super clean yeah. establishment. Well, the thing about farms are, is that they collect a lot of things because farmers really are scrappers. Mm. You know, we never know when we're going to have to use something because something always goes wrong, something always breaks. So it's a lot of problem solving in farming, and that's what I really love about it is that 
it's always different. There's always a challenge. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why people scrap a lot of stuff. Got it. And then yeah. these coolers here are right. your walk-ins. Yes. Yes. And uh, the first cooler we keep set to a temperature around 50 degrees. Okay. And that's for like our tomatoes and other sensitive things that don't like the cold, cold. And then the other cooler we have at like refrigerator temperature and all the stuff goes in there. Mostly all the stuff goes in there. Yeah. Now, because I peeked in. Yes. And I saw Rosé. Yes. You announced that this is going to be the first year that you're doing. Uh, We're doing our summer soiree, which is rosé and croquet. Obsessed with that. And we are having um, celebrities come and play croquet. And so for a ticket price, you can come and play croquet here at Ryder Farm and raise money for our programs, which is our artist residency and our farm. And will you tell my listeners if they'd like to participate in raising money for the farm, what, Mm -hmm. what they can do? Of course, you can always go to our website which is space on writerfarm.org and uh, you can find information about volunteering events um, how to join our csa uh, where we're at who is on the farm for the week we always post things about our residents yes i think Uh, i'm up on there now right now yes you are yeah yep so it's really interesting and and it's dynamic it's always changing so check us out We'll check you out. Julie Noble, thank you so much for being on the show. You're You're awesome. Thank you.